Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Time for T Watts and TR on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, alongside site publisher Tim Watts. And Tim, the pilot video edition of T Watts and TR here on the YouTube home for BOL. Uh, I forewarned the uh, our friends on the roundtable, by the way that this would likely be in video form. So they can't say that they didn't at least get a warning here. So I know how wings at the end of the month, but maybe a, a little bit earlier for some of those folks tuning into this. Yeah, it's a great month for this to come on. I know we put off what four months actually getting around to doing it, but pretty excited. I mean, we've always, we know what we look like, but we've never actually watched ourselves spin our magic. So this will be a new one. No secrets, you know, when you do the video stuff. And you again, see what kind of friend Travis is. My Saints are playing his Jaguars, and he comes flaunting his uh, get it hoodie. Wear it now. Fresh off that win over the Buffalo Bills, British World Champions. I'm calling us Tim, the Pretty Jacksonville Jaguars, two and zero in England. Where, where's the rings? I'm ready for the rings. You know, we should have some for you. Maybe some rice pudding. Or something. Some chips. Some yeah, chips. fish and chips for uh, Trevor Lawrence and the boys. But now we got a lot to get into on the latest edition of T. Watts and TR. We're going to have the roundtable mailbag. That's been a staple of this program in the past, and it'll continue with this one. And it is it is full, Tim. So we're going to get around to it pretty quickly during the show. But we talked about October and this Alabama team coming off a win over Texas A&M on the road. 
sitting here going into mid-October at 5-1 and one at the midway point of the 2023 season. Um, it's been sort of a fortuitous route, I guess you could call it, to getting here. In some ways, Tim, it feels like this team has played maybe nine or ten games, and here we are six games in. I mean, it's been wild. I mean, when you look at the, you know, the Texas game leading at one point the second half, you remember <laughs> you go from that lead to the quick turnaround and then the South Florida game, which uh, I don't have words for still. <laughs> um, just a just a crazy game. And then to end up over here, beat a couple of good teams. I still think Ole Miss is a good team. I think Texas A&M is a good team. And um, despite what I'm hearing or reading, some of the people make excuses for their hot takes. Um, I thought Alabama was clearly the best team on the field. Um, and had they cleaned up half of their mistakes, that wouldn't, in, that wouldn't, those, those fans, those stands would have been very empty, you know, seven minutes left in that fourth quarter. Absolutely. I, I said it on instant analysis right after the game. Uh, and also in second watch, it, it felt like Alabama had to win that game three or four times in the last yeah. seven minutes. And, uh, Made it tougher than it needed to be, but it is a second straight road win in the Southeastern Conference for Nick Saban's team. And part of my pick of Alabama last week, I picked Alabama 24-20. I think all of our scores, the BOL staff scores yeah. going into that game were pretty you close. You put a towel over them and, and mm-hmm. be on them. Uh, was a lot of it had to do with the noise. There was so much noise about Alabama this is it this is the fall this is the fall of the mystique this is the absolute moment and you could you said it from a national perspective you could pick a talking head and they were all in on Texas A&M although all we had really seen from A&M after being embarrassed in the second half of that Miami game about three weeks ago were wins over a very very average Auburn team especially early in the season and then an Arkansas team that just offensively, as Alabama will see this week, other than KJ Jefferson, doesn't scare you all that much. So that's that's what I went on as much as anything. I don't know about you, Tim. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what the media does. I've talked about this on the roundtable yes, uh, yesterday. Was the uh, classic examples of the year Vanderbilt was the hot pick. Like I told Charlie Potter, our own little Chuck Potter, I said, "Hey, start screen grabbing these jackasses. You know, start grabbing all these hot takes." Because they know they're going away. They know when they lose, they're going to their next hot pick. Charlie ran a uh, a uh, slideshow of every one of those hot takes from Bama. I mean, they had to literally call out the National Guard to get Alabama to stop scoring in that game, as you remember. So the media frenzies, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of used to it. You know, it started the year Alabama wasn't going to be very good. You remember that. Mm-hmm. And then it flipped to everybody had Alabama's national champion. And I'm like <laughs> – you know, so seeing everybody jump on this, Alabama's over. And I'll be honest, Alabama lost that game. Nothing's over. This is still a talented team. It still could have won the West. Uh, they have a lot of talent coming back next year. They have the number one recruiting class, one of the best ever on paper. A lot of those guys sitting over there, you know, you know, getting ready to play. So, I mean, it's a long way from over. I don't know if they know what over means. Maybe that's where the problem starts. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is that whereas the win over A&M served as a foot-long shut-the-hell-up sub to a lot of the naysayers out there, I still don't look at this Alabama team as anything close to a finished product, right? No, I mean, yeah. you commit 14 penalties, you lose the ball a couple of times, uh, you can't run the football effectively enough last Saturday. Still a lot for this Alabama team to figure out. 
Yeah, I mean, they. I don't know the number we were discussing again on the roundtables. It's six or seven touchdowns called back because of penalties. Yeah. I mean, that's absurd. I mean, that's just an absurd number to have um, to be a competitive team. I don't really – the false starts, I think Saban said that too. I'm not really blaming the offensive linemen. That was a mess. That crowd there, College Station's amazing. They're very – I mean, it's the SEC, you know. They're as good as anybody. The crowd's loud. It's, you know, they they get after it. It's hard. I think he said they were going to quiet counter something. Silent, I mean, yeah. silent count. I mean, that's, that's some tough stuff to do, but – you won't see many more. It kind of reminds me of last year's Tennessee game, right, where they actually lost the game. Uh, but this year they managed to win it, so I thought Milrow made some nice plays. Um, of course, thing about Milrow is he'll do stuff, and the people that are naysayers, they'll see like the the pass at the end of the game. I mean, he chili-peppered it over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that but he was wide open. It was the, There was. was nobody in the vicinity. I'm not excusing it, but I see – Exactly what, you know, the, the guy's standing there wide open. Um, but then again, he double skipped it over there like a rock across a pond. So, but still, you know, to me, it's a good win. I can, you know, I can care less what other people think. I think it's a good win. Yeah. My man Malik Benson was so wide open, even though he got one hot, he still tried to take off. He was like, he, he had forgotten see. that the throw was a part of it. He was so wide yeah. open. He's like, I know he didn't just one hop it. So I need to run with this because this throw maybe, did get here. Maybe my man they didn't took see off. It. Maybe yeah. skip. Malik had off. like two targets in the whole game. One of them, he's wide open and it hops to him. But, yes. you know, you talked about the crowd noise and the pre-snap penalties. I heard some interesting stuff from Sam Pittman in the last day or so, Arkansas head coach. And he said, yeah, it's crowd noise because Arkansas struggled with this apparently too. It's offensive line. He said, but pre-snap now, you've got defensive lines that are doing so much movement. Like after an offense will make its check. The defense checks, and then the defensive line, Georgia does it. Ole Miss did it against Arkansas last week. They'll shift. And so even if you're going on uh, – you're not going on sound, that can be problematic, the movement. But then you've also got these defenses yelling things like shift and move, and that causes offensives offenses to flinch. And, and, also, and also you're aware of who you're facing. Yeah. I mean, these guys know there's some monsters on that defensive line. I mean, those are a lot of high star guys, you know, top 100, top 55 star caliber defensive linemen. They knew them in high school. They knew them from the rankings. They knew them from last year. So you're not just facing all that, but you know, you got a monster in front of you. Yeah. And once, once you do it one game, you can count on seeing it, right? Yeah. Every game. Once you put something on tape, good or bad, there's going to be less yeah. or more coming by the bushel. Yeah, no doubt. What about this Alabama defense, man? Especially since the start of the second half of the Ole Miss game through Saturday's game. Uh, I know you look at it statistically. The numbers are pretty similar in terms of total defense and those type of things. But, boy, this defense can take the ball away, right? Yeah. In comparison to last year, especially with all those guys in the secondary moving on the NFL and to uh, match your interception total from 2022 in just six games in 2023, uh, that's the thing that, that keeps this defense going. And once again, against A&M, Caleb Downs, that third quarter interception after Milrose, that's as big as it gets. Now, give Tresman Marshall some credit on that play, too. He was in Max Johnson's lap. But that's the way a defense is supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have a Will Anderson like you had last year, your takeaway should be through the roof because you're thinking 31 is going to be living with these quarterbacks and your linebackers in secondary are going to be, you know, taking the ball away. 
Yeah, Caleb's just got tremendous ball skills. You can see that in high school when the, he was on the offensive side of the ball. The way he made the catch, turned his body, you know, everything about that. You know, with Caleb, Caleb's that guy. We can't, we couldn't overhype him. You know, we kept hyping him. You know, we loved him, thought he was such a great player, and he's still going to live up to it. That's what's kind of amazing. You know, when you look at true freshman, the plays he makes, I mean, he does just, you know, he's just a professional, very professional, mature guy to be a, you know, a 19 year old player. Um, but yeah, the interception, anticipation, the carry, catching the ball, keeping the ball in the air. But the defense, you know, I noticed Trez Marshall. I know, I don't know if he got enough love as far as pressure on the quarterback, but man, he was cut. Now he didn't get home, but they knew he was coming several times. So I mean, he rushed some things and jumped on it. But the defense overall, I mean, you you know, you wanted better tackling. I feel like they're a much better tackling team. You wanted you know fundamentals. You wanted aggressive. They look fast. They look lean. I mean, that defensive line, I felt they were held a lot of that game. I mean, they were in that backfield a lot, and I think they had a lot. I mean, that one play you've seen on Twitter, I'm sure, where they're just running over three offensive linemen. Yeah, like the a and center trips and then the left guard. Yeah, just domino boom, effect. Boom, boom. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you saw how aggressive they are. and You know, seeing Justin out there after being injured last year is just awesome. So, a lot funner, funner team, I think, that you uh, – are seen on defense. And I know a lot of people have been screaming for it the last few years. Yeah, four-man pass rush against AM really didn't have to bring an extra guy. So when you saw Tresman Marshall or Deontay getting pressure, a lot of times that was still only four guys. Yeah. Because they would drop some guys, some zone pressure looks, some things like that. Um, and Dallas Turner certainly living up to it, Tim, to go along with Chris Braswell, who's been sort of a uh, you know, a, uh, it's been a process. It's been a a work in progress for Chris Braswell because this was a guy, even though he showed up as a highly rated recruit, gosh, back in 2020, I guess it was. It took a minute, yeah. Yeah, minute. but he showed up at like 205. Yeah, he so was a You knew it was going to be a minute. Now he's 255 and look at him. And, dude, that play, and I know it was called back, but that's one of the most impressive plays you can see. The guy get the block. Did he catch it in the air? I don't know. The I mean, air, The hop came right back I up mean, to him. It is but so rare. That's such a special still eye-hand coordination. Yeah. Because usually when you block it, they pick it up. They celebrate it. You know what I mean? But to pick it up, grab it, hit that sideline with a, you know, the, the escort, <laughs> that, was a, that was a beautiful play. I know that the Dallas, you know, I don't – that wasn't much of a penalty. It's kind of chintzy, wasn't it? The penalty, yeah. I guess. Yeah, by the, I mean, it's just, by the letter of the rule book, it was. But gosh, I mean, I mean Dallas. I mean, you got to avoid it because you can't give them a, you know, you can't give them a reason. That's the one thing I've talked about with referees. You can't give them a reason in any sport to look to to call something. I feel like that was definitely, you know, a little, you know. Well, you call that, but look at some of the shots college quarterbacks take oh, in yeah. the pocket, right? Yeah. And a lot of that goes uncalled. In comparison, certainly to the NFL, you touch a quarterback in the pocket, essentially, after the ball's out on Sunday, it's a flag. It oh, yeah. seems like everybody in college football is protected except the quarterback. Yeah, it's weird. In the NFL, they literally get mad if you hit them legally hard. Right. Like the quarterback runs to the sideline, and if he's got both feet in and you hit him, they want to fight you. Get off the field if you don't want to be hit. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you see – you know, Max Johnson's a tough kid. You know, his dad, Brad, played in the NFL. He's a good college player. Jalen's obviously a tough kid. They both have pretty good size on them. So I think there's a little bit of, 
let them get away with it because they're bigger kids. You know, maybe Bryce type guy that gets a little bit of that call because, you know, obviously if you run into Jalen, he's not flying as far as Bryce was, you know. <laughs> Bryce didn't get it at Tennessee last year, did he? Yeah, he didn't. That, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that was a, uh, yeah, that was a sus, sus game. Still don't know uh, how that wasn't targeting on Bryce, but. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of going back to that Tennessee game. But, yeah, they uh, they had a field day. Max and Jalen both just took a beating. Um, had a lot of hits. Um, but, again, I thought it was a really good game outside of the penalties for Alabama. Loved Burton. You know, I've seen some people saying shut up and play. You know, I don't mind the energy if it doesn't get a penalty. You know, right. you want somebody, you you want that edge sometimes. You know what I mean? Dallas has that edge. Um, he's Especially a little bit on sitting. the road. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, you know, you watch get sports are so much momentum and emotion, and it takes one guy yapping to get everybody jumping and moving around. Well, and A&M was talking too. Oh, the whole game. I and mean, I said it after. talking trash to Saban during the week. I said it after the afterwards. game. Jake Johnson was talking for A&M after oh. his touchdown to Malachi, where they both got the unsportsmanlike conduct yeah. calls in the end zone. So you can't tell me in a situation like a return on a block field goal, if a guy's got a chance to dial up a guy that's been talking the whole game, I'm sure Dallas wanted to do more probably at that point. Than he did. I mean, they talked all week. Anaya Smith. Yeah, yep, everybody yep, talked. Yeah, yep, yep. even after the game, he's like, Saban was running for me. No, he didn't. He didn't really know you were out there still. He was going with his team. Yeah, he was. It wasn't getting on the You sought him out, though. You All week, you had to talk about it. Then you sought him out to shake his hand. I give him credit so, for that. He's a good player, though. Because you, you could talk Joker's- all week and take that L and then be the first one in the tunnel, too. So, he, for him uh, to at least try to. You know, Joker can talk run. with Saban. I know, I yeah. know that Joker can run, though. <laughs> you know what? All you know what Nick else? Tim, what did Saban say last year about Alabama on the road? In the pregame, it was quiet. He didn't sense that that team was was anxiety free, like that they could play. Well, Jermaine didn't look, seem to have much anxiety. That's what I'm saying. You can't right. have. You can't have it both ways. You can't be the don't have energy. You either got energy. You can't control. Look, I'm an emotional guy. You know that. I yeah. can't control when I scream. I don't really know it. It's not like, hey, if this guy gets a hit here, I'm losing my crap. You know what I mean? He just gets a hit, and I'm I'm getting loud. I mean, I think Burton's an emotional guy. I think Dallas is a physical, emotional guy. But you're right. You can't be meek and yeah. be brave and aggressive. So I don't think Burton – uh, and he pushes the line. He's always pushed the line. But... You're more worried about the timing of yes, some of this with what, him. Yes, but I mean, you're, you're worried that it, it it might happen at a critical spot. Yeah, yeah. That's no, the that's only a... that's the only concern you have with it, and it's. I mean, I think it's, it's a legit concern, but it's also guys that are you know have full of energy. But if he's going to give you a buck ninety playing that he, way, guess what? You'll take your chances, you, right? You take fifteen back, right? <laughs> The math, uh, you know, Tim and I weren't exactly uh, calculus majors back in the day, but we know that math pretty good. Yes. 15 from, you know, like 205 or yeah, something. Yeah, that was a chippy game. There's a lot more. It was. I'll tell you what, I felt that it was also a very well sportsmanlike game for the most part. I saw Bama helping guys up. I saw Texas A&M helping Alabama guys up. Um, I didn't feel anything was excessively dirty. You know what I mean? You know, in a league where – Somebody will tackle you and twist your knee. 
Mm. You know, little things like that. I didn't see any of that. I thought there was a lot of respect on the field um, after the game as well. So, I mean, it's Texas A&M, Bama. That's quite the that's quite the rivalry, you know, in my opinion. There's been some great games. So, halfway through this thing, Tim, is is this a national championship type of team that you've seen to this point? Or do you need to see more, especially as much as anything, how this team handles that win coming home against an Arkansas team that has lost four in a row on the road once again for Sam Pittman's team. Uh, Tennessee coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, the maturity, I guess, of this team will find out a lot about this week on homecoming early kickoff. Uh, but then yeah. once you get to Tennessee and beyond, that's when you're really in championship season, I guess. Yeah, he's still at Kentucky, still at Auburn. Got a nice little run here at LSU with that redemption game, possibly from last year. Um, I don't know if Alabama's a national championship team, but I don't know who is. Like, I know there's good teams. Georgia's a good team. You know, they're a good team. They're not a. They're not somebody I guarantee is going to win the national championship. Michigan, maybe, but I haven't really seen them play anybody. I'm at least familiar with that. Out of them, I mean, everybody's got flaws. USC's got flaws. Oregon's, you know, you're seeing the stage now where everybody's big win. You know, Texas A&M's loss was, again, was to to Miami, who everybody thought Miami was good. Whether Mario fumbled or not, they should not be a tight ball game with Georgia Tech. That is Haynes Keens. Well, Georgia Tech had just lost at home to a MAC conference team. Yes, and And they have Haynes Keens and Christian Leary, two other SEC transfers, Dropping a dime behind three in the secondary. Great pass by Haynes King, by the way. Unbelievable. Good to see Christian Leary score. But how does somebody get behind you though? So far, three guys so far behind them. I mean, I mean that's by five than, yards. It wasn't that's a, worse than the, when no, I, I first I didn't see it live, Tim. So I thought this must have been a tip ball, Hail Mary. No, no. it's just a guy running right behind the secondary with three seconds left. That's all. It's that's the fumble has them so mad they're forgetting that it that never should have happened anyways. Time was out. I think mm-hmm. he scored one second left, maybe. You bat that ball in the air. I don't know how it's not picked off. I mean, the guy's rolling out to his right. I don't know if they're in man coverage press. I don't know what was happening. No, they brought like, like pressure. The defensive coordinator, I think, afterwards, Gidry was asked about it, and he said we didn't want to play soft. So mm-hmm. you know, you didn't. Here's this L. Yeah, so you've got teams we think are good, and then they're in struggles. We've seen Ohio State struggle. Maryland gave them a really good game. Um, Notre Dame, who everybody thought was really good, has now doubled down on losses. Nobody's talking about Sam Hartman as much anymore, are they? No, not at all. You know, Louisville's good's Louisville. That Brom, Brom, Brom is Dude, the that poor guy. man's – I've said it. Brom is the poor man's Sark. Everybody talks about Sark, and they no, should. That's, but that's Jeff not, Brom is that kind of dude – it's just more the blue collar, Steve. Yeah, Sarkeesian. that was a game. They won that game. There was no fluke. I also say, you know, on a side note, you know who's doing really well? Complete side notes, Arizona. Yeah. Arizona's a legit team. I and they're recruiting the pretty well, too. Yes, they're a legit team that could have beat USC. They were definitely in the game with Washington. I mean, those are two back-to-back tough games that they were battling in. So, I just think football, the diversity in this year. I mean, Georgia's a good team. Um, obviously, you know, Michigan's probably, if they get by Ohio State, they're probably uh, going in. Ohio, same for Ohio State if they beat Michigan. So there's just no team I feel is great. And if you look at the coaches and what they say, I don't think anybody's 
you know, Kirby was over there saying they need to rank the whole SEC, trying to get a strength of schedule up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Things are getting tough. So, obviously, Georgia's a team to watch. Alabama, how they develop. I mean, Alabama runs this rest of this season. I think they're definitely in the discussion, right? Oh, they're – I got asked that question on a radio show this morning. If Alabama runs the table, will it make the college football playoff? And I was like, yeah. how do they – if they're a, if they're 12-1 and one, – coming out of Atlanta with a win over Georgia, who will be undefeated in that game. The better question is, will Alabama, will the SEC get two in if Georgia? Yeah, they will. And they, they but Georgia's yeah. strength of schedule. You know, Georgia goes 12-0 and against that schedule and then gets beat by Alabama in Atlanta. And let's say Oregon's undefeated coming out of the Pac-12. The question I got today was, would one SEC team make it? I, I don't see how an SEC champion with even one loss is left of out of the four. They go over Georgia with one loss in that scenario for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, I mean, there's some scenarios where I think two would be really, really problematic. A lot of scenarios right now, but the SEC's getting one in. I, mean, I just think it's that. I just think this season is as wild as anyone could predict. I mean, nobody had Oklahoma over Texas. No. And looking at this now, how good would that Oklahoma in hindsight been versus Georgia to yeah. start the year? Dylan Gabriel against I really that defense. I yeah. really didn't know what to think of Oklahoma. I still thought they were another year away. Really good football team. I haven't seen them as much this year. They did lose their uh, leading wide receiver. Another tough game. You know what we saw a lot of this weekend? Some really not great clock management at the <laughs> end of game. <laughs> That's what we – I like to go through the number of games that had, like – All of them. And I noticed it because, you know, like Sark's talking about it. Obviously, Mario's talking about it. Saban's talking about it. So, we've got three right there discussing it. That's without me even doing a deep dive. There's probably some other teams going for two when they're up, you know, when they're when they're down three. Yeah. So um, what else is going on? The two-point decision, the end of half, end of game, clock management, Tim, that's a lot of the charm of college yeah. football. You take that out, we probably don't enjoy I mean, think of Les Miles, how much we enjoyed him in those situations because you just Les Miles. you never knew what the heck the hat was going to do in some of those spots. But you know what know. else we got this week? We've got Dan Enos week coming in with those Arkansas Razorbacks. Hello Dan. The brief assistant at the University of Alabama. Uh I don't think he was ever formally announced as Alabama's new offensive coordinator once Locks got that Maryland job. Uh, but I don't, I, I, I don't think he was round long enough after that. Yeah. It was here today, gone tomorrow for Dan Enos uh, as he made the move to Miami. Uh, yeah, when I looked it up last year. Now. Yeah, he's had three he, other jobs since then. Did that's you know so that? crazy. He's about to have a fourth one. Yeah, three or you four know? other. He had Miami. He had Cincinnati, Miami. Cincinnati. Arkansas. Maryland. He Maryland, actually went and worked for locks. Yeah. Four, four for four. <laughs> what in the world? But, yeah, Enos, that was one of the more bizarre situations. And I know he put out a statement after there was a report that, you know, Saban uttered the infamous or famous line of where the F is Dan when he walked into a staff meeting, Mm -hmm. apparently, or reportedly. Uh, Dan Enos came out after that and said, of course I would notify my current employer that I was leaving for another job. Well, you know, I know we both knew some people around that situation at the time. And the stories were pretty memorable. Yeah. Alabama staff, there's people that were on the Alabama staff that absolutely didn't know Dan Enos left and who also <laughs> said Nick Saban didn't know Dan left. 
I I knew an offensive line. We worked together on this because I was we were trying to get the story. There was an offensive line coach candidate at the time, and he interviewed with Dan Enos the day before Dan left. Apparently, like the Ursays yeah. to from Baltimore mm-hmm. to Indianapolis in the middle of the night, and I was in touch with him as he was going through the process. Oh, everything went great. Spent pretty much the whole day with Dan and couple of the offensive coaches and then the next day he finds out that Dan left too so he didn't interview with Saban as much as he interviewed with Enos because the thought was Enos was going to be the coordinator so Enos leaves now this guy has essentially interviewed with no one on the Alabama staff and then it worked out though right here comes Steve Sarkeesian here comes Kyle Flood uh, previously of the Atlanta Falcons but it worked out for this offensive line coach candidate too, because he's now a group of five head coach. I'd say it worked out pretty well for everyone, except Dan Enos, how that I mean, all played out. I mean, how, I wonder if he unpacks his bags. You know well, mean? you know, he recently responded to some angry Dude. emails from an Arkansas fan, which tells me the smoke would have been a lot for Dan as offensive coordinator at Alabama. I mean, if he's, if he's interacting with 19-year-old Arkansas fans. posting on the round table. It, yeah. <laughs> what would be Dan Enos's username? With our guys well, this is another there. rabbit hole I can go down now. Dan Enos's username on BOL, on the round table. We, that could be a good contest for our subscribers. Maybe yeah. we could come up with this week. But it was, man. And look, the guy can obviously coach because he always ends up. He always lands somewhere. I think he, I think he can interview. He can interview. I know that's what I think he does, but – for those not familiar, it's on Twitter that Dan Enos got some email criticism from an Arkansas student. Yes. And then proceeded to discuss the scheming and play calling by not asking a quarterback that student, what would you call? <laughs> so now we got we got this and incorporated board. emojis into his response. <laughs> so That's we got so a sophomore whose mom is still having groceries delivered to him, telling Dan how to call plays and they're arguing. Yeah, I think one of the responses from the student was, Dan, you got a 250-pound quarterback. It's not all that hard to figure out. Like, he was having a legitimate The student discourse. had simplified the offense a considerable amount. He had shortened the playbook rather quickly. Oh. You know, last time I heard somebody jet, remember Lance Thompson jetted out to go work for uh, yeah. Lane in the same way. Yeah, he. it seemed at the time that the Lorraine Wallace Bridge from Tuscaloosa – to Northport had been napalmed by Lance Thompson. But as is the case, as we've seen with Lance, Lance, to tell you what kind of survivor he is, he still made it back to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Yeah. Lance is going to survive. If you can recruit there, it's like being a, not a shooter in basketball, Tim, but a shot maker. Yeah. If you can make shots in basketball, you can, you can come home again. And if you can recruit, as you know, that's pretty much the same thing, right? Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's get into this mailbag coming up here in just a little bit because we got a lot. We're thick in the mailbag. And we, all... we went from none to like 100. Yeah, we and did. we got 1,000 follower in the yeah, mix. We did. We did pick up our 1,000th subscriber you. Emotions. on YouTube, the BOL, BOL home for YouTube. So, man, we're fired up about that for sure. We appreciate everyone that has already hit that subscribe button. If you haven't as of yet, be sure to do it. Turn on those notifications. All of our video content you're going to find right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. It is, man, it is perfect this time of year. 
Tim loves him some October. I do as well. You're a big Halloween guy, I know, and you, you like the Halloween movies. This is where we're a little bit different. You like the Halloween movies. You like the horror flicks. You yeah. like the, the shows. Um, for me, it kind of comes down to, is Beetlejuice a Halloween movie? If it is, then I like a Halloween movie. Uh, yeah. Big Michael Keaton fan. You pretty much put Michael Keaton in anything. I'm going to watch it. Got Alec Baldwin, of course, uh, in that one as well. Um, so this is this is your time of year. My wife's a big Halloween person. You know, she's born on her birthday's the thirtieth, the end oh, of the nice. month. So she likes that. that. And in fact, during the Alabama bye week, we're going to go to New England and we're actually going to go to Salem yeah. on on or right around Halloween. So yeah, that should be, be interesting. But, but I guess Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, for me, Beetlejuice, you like a bunch of them though, don't you? I like them all. I mean, I'm not huge into like, I like horror stuff anyway. So Halloween just goes hand in hand. My daughter, who's our youngest, loves Halloween. Like she's like, I wonder about her sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you got some tendencies here. I got to Google. And, uh, but she loves it. So we love it. We watch shows and movies and um, that's it. But I watch it year round. But I mean, I am a big fan. I mean, I grew up in the you know, the era as you did where the horror movie had all Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, seriously, it was yeah. literally like a anti don't have premarital sex. Every, every movie had sex and the kids getting killed for having the sex spear through the back, knife through the throat, dead man's uh, curve. Yeah. I never went to camp because of Friday the 13th <laughs> and these shows. I'm not going to camp camp counselors. Couldn't trust them. So, yeah, but we love it. I mean, Halloween with Jamie Curtis is always the one. And she did a great one in 2018 or 19. She did one, another one called Halloween. That's a really good remake. The other ones are okay, but her two called Halloween are, are really good. And plus, there's so many series on. I might start a thread on this on the roundtable, some movies and shows to watch. But there's so there's just so much to to see. But it's it the is. best time of the year for sports. Yeah, uh, it's a great time of year for Literally sports. I mean, what about the Braves last night, man? Austin mm-hmm. Riley in the bottom of the eighth and then the throw to first for the double play to end that mm-hmm. game and get Bryce Harper at first. I mean, uh, in the ninth. Oof, you talk about a horror movie. That that was nearly another one for that for that Braves offense, but it woke up just in time. Yeah, I mean, you look baseball's so weird to me. You play 162 games season logic tells me the winner of that's the best team right the logic says sort of like soccer's premier league you played all these games here's the winner but i love the playoffs at the same time however i don't believe there's any benefit to be in the the first or the last seed i mean the dodgers and the oreos and the braves i think are the top three records in baseball they're one in five right now and i think the record is two and six for everybody that had a bye week yep you know, a bye week. I think I'm flipping sports here, but you yeah, got, I mean, eh. it's one thing in football or basketball, right? That that is where you can probably more so see the benefit because of the physical wear and tear. And I know it's 162 game season; it's a lot. Yeah, but it's a different. Yeah, it's, it's a different, different grind. And yeah. I, I I could see that being a, a detriment in some years or a lot of years to baseball. I guess more so. You're yeah, a baseball guy, though. I've, I've probably watched four innings of baseball before last night all year. Oh, wow. It's not because I'm a baseball hater. You know, I'm more of a golf guy, as you yeah. know. So I watch yeah. a ton of the pro golf, probably mm-hmm. as a result of not watching as much baseball. I watch the NFL. I watch the pro golf. And then probably baseball more so than 
the NBA, but I know this is your I was time pretty excited. The NBA had a game last night. It was just a preseason, but it's, you know, Chet versus Frenchie, you know, basically two of the most, uh, I guess you use unicorn too much now, but both of them are kind of unicorns, seven foot plus guys. Yeah. Play on the perimeter, skinny as a rail, block shots long. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Had Monday night football. I love it because you're right. The weather's changed enough. You know, mm-hmm. we're not at that point where it's cold all day. Hoodies. You're still able to. Hoodies. Yeah. 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 Hoodies. Um, but, yeah, you have that. You have football. You have the heart of the SEC schedule. It's real. You know I mean? Yeah. It's all real. It all goes hand in, it all go, we know what October's bringing us. Let me ask you this, though. Freddy Krueger or Jason? If they, uh, if you put them in a street fight, I mean, I mean, Freddie's got that mean, what was it? Right hand, obviously. Yeah. yeah. He has some issues. Um, uh, your personal favorite maybe between those two, I think Freddie's just unbeatable, right? You can't right. kill him. And the look you know was mean? rough. You just can't, yeah. Yeah. You just can't kill him. I mean, he's like, you know, he's motivated. He's burned. They threw him in a furnace. He's got all that. <laughs> You know, Jermaine he was like energy. The, you know what I mean? He was like Predator. You know, he was he was, and then dudes like coming through. You know, the first one was like coming through Johnny Depp's waterbed and pulling him down. And you know what I'm saying? Imagine having someone chase you that only can catch you when you sleep. Those Is were there the a high bigger school. obstacle than that. I mean, come on. Those are high yeah. school high school date night days for me when i think yeah, i don't worry about days. jason because i'm not worried about him rolling up into cvs on me you know what i mean yeah. he's gonna have he's gonna have the popo all over him you know if he's walking around you know alabaster city park yeah but uh other dudes coming in my bed i'm just watching tv yeah jason had better food. hair too than freddie yeah. you know a lot better hair. it was crazy jason's mama you know in that first one that well was, i mean uh, apple tree was- whatnot yeah, yeah. That, not, there was no roll. That that apple fell and stuck its landing. <laughs> Let's get into the mailbag, my man. Let's do it. Our roundtable mailbag. We always appreciate the contributions of our faithful followers there at BamaOnline.com. We'll start with Ghost of Bryant. He always does a super job helping us out here in the mailbag. Yes, thank you. Biggest area of improvement so far for this year's Alabama defense over last year's defense, Tim. Uh, I'll start with takeaways. We just talked about it. I mean, when you pick off uh, seven passes, I think it is, in six games, and you picked off seven in 13 a year ago, and it ties in. The pressure's been consistent with Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell. Um but maybe the interior of that defense, too, is an area you would look even, especially in recent weeks. I go to the pressure and the tackling. I mean, I just felt yeah. last year that there was just a, a sense of the quarterback having way too much time. You know, you take a, a bad quarterback with no pressure, and he's a good quarterback. A good one's going to be a great one. So when you get those guys, I think Max Johnson's a good quarterback. I think he's a prime example. Um, to start the game on the fourth down, they had a great play call. And came flash pressure off the edge. Lawson jumped that uh, uh, that route and yeah. stopped him. And that was a huge play. We forgot because there's so many plays after it. But I like the pressure. I like the tackling. I agree with everything you said. Just a, they look like an aggressive fool. And you're not surprised with Kevin Steele, right? You're not no. surprised. This guy's all about fundamentals and basics. And I know all the jokes and the, you know, oh, you know, and now you know they're all quiet. But there was a whole lot of don't fire, don't hire Kevin Steele. But I think he's a he's a he's a 
sounding board for saving for one up here, roughly in the same age group, same experience level. And then you've got a guy that's just basics. You know what I mean? They probably, they speak the same language. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you're right. Those early stops against A&M, even when they forced the field goal, uh, were very big. And the pressure you talked about on the fourth down that Dallas Turner was able to get, you know, Max Johnson had a couple of guys wide open, but he had absolutely not enough time. He had to throw the football where he threw it. Alabama anticipated that Deontay Lawson right there and had that thing covered it's up. A short yard. That's a short yard too. That yeah. Wasn't a, that it was wasn't a third a and one day. or a third and two and a fourth and one. Yeah. So, I mean, Lawson jumping that route again, it's good to see him back and running around healthy and um, wasn't improving. I mean, who's more improved Lawson or Arnold? Wow. I mean, I, both, it's close. I think, and I think for both those guys, it's a matter of comfortability. It just Mm -hmm. seemed like last year there was some self-trust issues, which you get because of where each were at in their development. But I just get confidence, Tim. They're talented dudes. But the confidence and the comfortability for both those guys right now seems like it's at a uh, very high level. Ghost of Brian also asking, has Ja'Cory Brooks become the forgotten man at receiver? Uh, it hasn't been the season that a lot of us anticipated for Ja'Cory. It got off to a rough start back in the preseason. And even of late, we've seen more of, say, Malik Benson to go along with Isaiah Bond and also Jermaine Burton than we've seen of Ja'Cory. Ja'Cory's still very involved, though, in special teams. He had the big block punt against Ole Miss. Uh, it seemed big at the time, anyway. And, you know, I don't think you can really count anybody out among these receivers. Now, Jermaine may be taking a big step towards becoming the guy, but two, three, four, five, they they still got room for guys to emerge, right? Yeah, quarterback's always going to have that safety blanket. You know, we always talked about, like, for Bryce, it probably seemed like it was Jameson, but really it was Mechie. You know what I mean? Jameson was just always open. You're just out there throwing dimes. But Mechie, that guy that you're just comfortable with, you're kind of connected to, maybe Burton – is that guy for him? I know if Malik doesn't block that screen better, he might end up with less playing time. He got Isaiah hung out. I mean, I mean, didn't even, you know, trip him or something, you know, that one. Um, Made you wonder if there was a girl involved in that one, you know, maybe I was wondering if maybe uh, (laughs) he knew that double skip and bounce pass was coming. And he's like, you know what? The fourth quarter, this double skipper, I'm not going all out. I get any blocks. I need to run. Yeah. Yeah. He'll have to do better there. What about, uh, here we go, Bonjo Vidi Jesus. I don't know if I got that right or not, but we still I'd appreciate. No. Yeah, I'm going to go no probably there. But, you know, I tried. And he, he wants to know, Arshi, what do you think Milrose's draft ceiling is, Tim? Mm-hmm. And do you have a comp for him with Jalen Milrow at this point? His Hurts is just so lazy, right? What's that? Jalen Hurts is just so lazy, right, to kind of – look at the same trajectory with them it's not it's not lazy I mean they're both Texans I think in terms of where they both at this point in their college careers needed to continue to develop I think it was comparable between these two uh the thing about Jalen Hurts was always that he was so young I mean he was 19 years old his junior season you know and a fresh 19 he wasn't an old 19 I think it's still that for me because of the more polished passing. I mean, we're still seeing Jalen Hurts get better as he goes along. Milro, you know, there's kind of the same question 
coming in, but I felt Hertz was a little bit more polished coming in. I love Milro because, I mean, he his team ran a lot. You didn't see him pass. I just thought the reps would help him and get in there. I mean, I had I would have to go. I mean, it's Jalen Hurts, right? I don't know if any – I can try to – I'm going to give one. you one that you'll yeah, probably you'll probably go, Travis, really. It's still too early to be into the vodka. But I'm going to give you Josh Allen. Well – Josh Allen, know. if you go back to Wyoming and you think about the physical attributes that were always there, Josh Allen can throw at 80 yards – Josh Allen coming out of college. There were questions about his ability to process, his decision-making. But if he broke the pocket, especially at his size, yeah. he could make plays with his legs. You still see him do it. And look, we talk about Josh Allen now as an NFL superstar. But you know what Josh Allen will do about every four or five games? He'll yeah. have an absolute stinker like he did against the Jets in that yeah. season opener. And really, even against the Jags last weekend, he wasn't especially great. And that's yeah. where I kind of see some, in some ways, some Jalen Milrow. Impressive athlete, can throw the deep ball, doesn't always make the right decisions at this point in his development. But again, there's no denying the physical attributes. Now, Jalen isn't even the size of Josh Allen. That's what makes yeah, Josh Allen. Boy. Josh Crazy yeah. is, you know, Jalen Milrow by college standards, pretty big quarterback. Josh mm -hmm. Allen is what? Six, four, six, five. He's a big dude. Out there. Yeah. Um, but that that's, I'm not saying he's going to go in the draft, like where Josh Allen went, but if you want a comp that I see right now, um, it could be, you know, I, I might go with Josh Allen there. I don't know. What do you think yeah. of that? Tim? I would say, I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch more of, you know, Allen. You know, everybody thinks Josh was – I mean, you don't end up at Wyoming. He wasn't polished. He wasn't you're polished. You're not at Wyoming because you're a five-star, let's be yeah. honest. You know what I mean? Um, he's still not super polished. He's still, like you mm -hmm. said, like Mahomes is very – you know, the best quarterbacks are pretty consistent. You know what Mahomes I mean? Mahomes knows how to play quarterback, though, at the end of the day. Not nonstop. No matter what, rain, sleet, hail, best players out, no offensive line. He takes chances, but that doesn't mean he doesn't know how to administer the offense, right, to play the quarterback position. I think with Milrow, for me, third to fourth round picks, the third to fifth round picks, the ceiling, that, that middle round. Um, kind of like you know, Jalen? I think Jalen Hurts was going later than he was. I think only – an unbelievable franchise. I think the Eagles are one of the best drafting franchises. I mean, they went and got the uh, – They know to draft rugby. the SEC. Remember, well, they also got the rugby guy who's like there's one of their starting tackles. You know yeah, what I mean? That's he, true. He was like doing – you know, next thing you know, he's a – you know, he's an Eagles guy. They draft really well. They got, I mean, Elias Ricks who's playing for him, Josh Job, all the Georgia guys, the Bama guys, traded up to get Smitty, broke the Giants' heart. So I think they're one of the best franchises. So I think they took a chance. I'm not sure others were going to take on Jalen. And don't forget, they had Carson Wentz under a, you know, a, a extremely huge uh, contract at the time. So I think Jalen Hurts probably was going to fall later in the second or early in the third. Um, Milrow to me, is, I think you have to draft a guy like Milrow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Give him a chance. He's got a big arm. He's a big athlete. So it's a and tough question because. Yeah, it's a tough question. It's a good question. It is a good question, and it's tough to think that far ahead because we both know, even with the performance against Texas A&M, for a portion of the Alabama fan base, it's still a quarter-by-quarter -quarter evaluation for Jalen Milrow. I mean, if yeah, he doesn't play well in the first quarter against Arkansas, 
there's people that are going to be out with him. If he turns around yeah. the second quarter and throws for a buck 75 and a couple touchdowns, people will be back in. I think so first the consistency you want to see with Jalen. Yeah, first impressions are so important, right? Mm-hmm. Their first real good look at him was like last year with uh, Arkansas A&M. and Texas A&M. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, we all make judgments. So he's got to come overcome that. I've always thought it was just scrappy to win those games, honestly. You know, I think there's a will in him. You know, the one thing I notice is when he makes a mistake, like the pick, and if you watch coming off the field, there's 20 guys waiting on him to high-five him and hug him and all that He's stuff. their guy. I don't think yeah, there's any like doubt him. about that. And you know what a good guy he was. You know, when Ty Simpson scored against South Florida, he's out in the field. Um, I don't know his and Ty Simpson's relationship, but I think that's probably okay. I think they probably are probably uh, our friends to some degree and competitors, obviously. Our guy, Jam Bam, I'm checking in here in the mailbag. He's got a few Jam. of them for us. What has impressed you most since the Texas game with this team? He asked. For me, Tim, it's been when the defense has had a chance since Texas to pretty much close out teams and close out offenses after halftime, they've absolutely done it. Yeah, for me, I just haven't seen them hang their head. Yeah, resilient. South Florida, I mean, I was hanging my head. I mentioned everybody (laughs) I imagine a lot of people were hanging their head, but I just didn't sense a team like, I mean, the defense could have easily said, you know, this is ridiculous. We got to do it all. But they played like they were on fire. You know what I mean? So I haven't seen them hang their head. You know, you mentioned early the anxiety and the angst. I don't see it. I see a little bit of swagger to this team, a little bit of confidence. I think Saban's done a great job of saying, this is what we came here for. You come to Alabama to play at College Station. You come to Alabama to play at Baton Rouge. That's why you come to the SEC, right, to play the best. We're here as competitors. And then to hear Milrow parrot that afterwards, I think that's the right message is that we knew when you came to Alabama, going to Athens would be tough, going to Baton Rouge and all these places. I think he's did a good job of saying, guys, we're playing football. That's it. We're playing football. It's not the end all. It's not the be all. We'll do the best we can. And, you know, we'll talk about it after the game. I think that team is reflecting that. Uh, Jam Bama also asked here, top three choices remaining to fill out this 2024 college football recruiting class for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You got three names for us, Tim. Well, they need a running back in theory. So Daniel Hill would be one, the Mississippi running back. Uh, They'd love to have Jordan Seaton. It's a big monster offensive tackle. Uh, IMG and no name defensive lineman, another defensive lineman, whoever they like. Um, They've got a few on the board. That would be, I mean, this class is going to be a little bit different. That's what I think everyone's still adjusting to because recruiting in general has changed, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can't get a guy you like, and this is not a good class, not talking about Alabama or any school's class. This is not a good national class compared to last year's. Or this year's, all you got to do is look at the top player at each position and match them up and see how it shakes out. Also, it lacks depth. So you're in an era if you're you're not going to take a bad high school football player or one you're not comfortable taking. If you can go in the portal and probably get somebody, so um, I think you'll see a lot of schools taking that approach. There's not going to be a a lot of panic when it comes to that. So, um, but this was always going to be a little bit of a smaller class than we're used to. And last year they took. You know, 77 guys, so we knew it would be smaller. 
Jam Bama also asking about Alabama basketball recruiting. Aiden Sherrill, the big man from Prolific Prep out in Napa, California, recently made his verbal to Nate Oates and UA. And I know he's got a teammate, right? Darian Reed, a top 20 player, top 20 prospect in his own right, who has apparently wrapped up some visits. And it looks like Alabama, Florida State, Georgia. I think I believe he's originally from the state of Georgia. Uh, you got anything on us? Uh, for us on that, Tim? No, I feel like they're going to get their point guard. You know, I think that's one thing they're looking for. Boogie McFarland, he's visited. Chase um, is another one Alabama's extremely high on. When you're looking at, like, the one thing I've liked about this class overall that Nate Oates has done is he's, like, positioned it really well for the dominoes to fall. You still got to kick the domino over to start it. You know, obviously getting, you know, Cheryl is a big name, a lot of upside guy would be good, but, you know, coming in with a boogie or a, or a, a Jace Richardson would be good. A point guard will help fill in the middle of that class. So I think they're heading in the right direction. I know nobody outworks them. That's yeah. what I know. They're at more events. I mean, I've seen, I've seen staffs that hustled and uh, as far as effort and they're, they're at the very top of, of anybody I've seen. But Paul here in the round table mailbag, he says, there's been a lot of clamoring for Justice Haynes to see the field. Saban alluded earlier in the season that we would see him as the season progressed. Do you all think this could play out like Najee's freshman season where suddenly you look up and his most meaningful action takes place in the biggest game of the season? Of course, that national championship win over Georgia, the second half there, you had freshmen really at multiple spots, not just Tua, not just Najee. I think Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, the receivers obviously – but what about it? Justice Haynes had the injury uh, in the preseason, I believe, and that slowed him. Uh, but we've seen a lot of Jason McClellan, a lot of Roy Dell Williams. Uh, run game wasn't great against Texas A&M. Uh, do you think it could play out this way? Uh, like, But Paul seems to Yeah, think I think it's going to be – I think what you've seen a lot of, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, is almost like figuring out your roster during the game. You're seeing guys play. You're seeing – you know, a lot of people are going – there's been questionable decisions. No, they're trying to figure out the best best lineup, the best offensive line, the best players. So if you're trying to iron out your offensive line and protect your quarterback, you got to go with what's absolutely the best for him. But you have to think it's the top two guys getting the carries as far as projection. We've protection. We've seen them pick up several bandits coming after Jalen. Um, but yeah, I do think Justice is going to play. I think he's too good. I think he's explosive at another level than anybody uh, in that running back room. Um, he's a hard worker. He takes it serious. I just don't know if the best opportunities have been there while they're ironing out and getting everybody on the same page. And I know they've had wins where they were up big and could have played people, but you still, when you're trying to work on your team, you want to keep that those that unit together and let them keep figuring it out. And I think they're starting to do that. So I'd expect to see more of justice. I think the biggest thing you worry about with first-year backs is pass protection. Absolutely. How many times have we seen it? They bust those protections and quarterbacks get killed. I don't have as much of a concern with Justice Haynes based on what I've seen to this point with him in that area. So I would expect to see more of them. I, we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of some things that might help those guys in general uh, coming up in just a little bit. Lefty20 wants to know, Tim, midseason prediction – for 2023 Alabama team captains. So we'll we'll say three. Pick three guys that you think would perhaps fit that bill 
by the time that team banquet rolls around in December. I mean, Jalen, right? No, I think, I think so. he would be up there. I think so. Lawson, I like Lawson. Lawson would be in that mix defensively. Mm. I think Will Reichard should be one of oh, the three. Shoot. I uh, think well, he should be the only one. I mean, <laughs> are you – yeah, yeah, thank good call. Are you Just have me? his own square at one any captain. time? Just one, one guy in a square? Yeah, yeah one captain this year. That's Will Riker to me has got to be I, – I would I would, um, I would throw Malachi Moore in there, in, especially before the injury. We'll see how that goes now for him. Um, and I think J.C. Latham will be in that mix offensively too. Mm-hmm. Um. But Milrow, compared to what you would have said how about how about three weeks ago, how about I don't Burton? know about Jermaine. Yeah. If he finishes this year, that'll be it. <laughs> that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, if he gets through the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think we threw some good names out there. Yeah. I, I like Kool-Aid, good. too. I didn't hear you mention him. Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid uh, should be a Dallas Turner. You yeah, know, Dal- oh, I, mean, shoot. I mean, it might be three defensive guys. If we're you being could honest. have, you could have multiple defensive guys. We're probably, right probably looking at losing Dallas Kool-Aid, maybe Lawson, yeah. right? Yeah. So they're, you know, they're basically yeah. seniors. You could have three defensive guys. And I would, I would say that's deserving because the defense has kind of carried this team through its roughest moments. Yeah. Tex Titer, man. We love Tex Titer. You talk about a guy who's helped us with our YouTube promotion. Love it. Uh, Tex Snyder is asking for some mid-season 2024 draft round projections. When you think first round right now, Tim, is it pretty much stayed consistent with Kuwait and Dallas and JC uh, as three likely first round picks? And kind of from those guys, Chris Braswell, uh, you're hearing more about Terry and Arnold. Arnold yeah. So I mean, it, is Arnold fluctuate. have some Trayvon Diggs tendencies? Yeah, he doesn't because. quite have his speed. Diggs has. I think at the at the speed. at the at the minimum, he can be Kareem Jackson, right? Yes, and yeah. then he can He's also a first round pick, right? Kareem was, you know, Nick yeah. Nick was adamant about Kareem staying another year, and mm-hmm. Kareem went out anyway. And then, I, yeah, I believe Kareem was the first round pick of the Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah I think he was um, first or second, anyways, but. Yeah, Arnold would be a stock uh, stock up guy. Braswell would be a stock up guy. Um, I don't know about those interior linemen. You know, I mean, Justin's going to get and be in the NFL third. Yeah, he's not round. a first round. He's kind of like a yeah. Damian Square. Is the yeah, way third or fourth round. Hey, and let me tell you, those guys still make stick money and stick. Yeah, and those guys make money and they play a long time. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they play a long time. So those would be the the guys that we're kind of looking at in that regard, text tighter Hampton 18. What's your favorite recruitment story of a recruit while covering Alabama? Appreciate all that you guys do. Thanks Hampton 18. One particular story you got for us, uncle Tim it's story time with uncle Tim. I don't know. I mean, I have, I've thought about that. I saw the question. I mean, I've always like, I really enjoyed covering Andre Smith. That's not like Mm -hmm. a great story, but the whole, uh, his parents were great. I was the first one to, I think, I don't know. I feel like I was the first one to talk about it. Andrew Bones probably going to text me when he sees this cussing me out. But um, uh, I, I was big on Andre, went to see him, monster guy, wrote about him. His mom used to give me credit for his offers. And I'd be like, Miss Smith, she's like, you know, they came here because of you. And I was like, Miss Smith, I assure you they were going to find this guy. Because I went like getting into sophomore year or whatever it was. 
And uh, but the parents were great. He was great. Mom was just an awesome person. Andre was a cool kid. His dad loved to talk. The whole he showed up at USC. I remember when he called me telling me he showed up at USC and they had like four black escalades pick him up. Wow. <laughs> Matt Liner, Reggie Bush. You know, I was like, my goodness. <clears throat> he was playing video games in the back seat of the escalade. He was all happy. Remember, they had those in the seat, the console. Um, and then, of course, the moment where he put the Bear Bryant hat on was um, was good. So covering a recruitment with no drama and just covering it, I like. I think I like Andre's one of my always going to be my favorite. I think one of my Plus, most still, go ahead. Yeah, one of my most memorable is in the Mike Shula area era because the day that Tim Tebow committed to Florida, man, yeah, on the round good. table, it was just. Yeah, Black Cloud Central, and you and I had talked about they've got to have another guy that yes. they're working, yeah. And that led us to making a call to one Greg McElroy out in Texas, who was current, who at the time was committed to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Call him up, I go, Hey, Greg, have you heard from the Alabama staff? Well, he goes, Oh, yeah, Coach Raider calls me all the time, and I said, Wow, there's yeah. their quarterback. and The rest, as they say, is his story. And don't forget, there was Chris Smelly, right. Yeah, and ACA committed, Well, everybody thought at the time he was Tebow's backup. Yeah, If right. Tebow went somewhere else. Well, then he decided to commit a week before Tebow went. Mm-hmm. So that added to the uh, – Goes to South Carolina. Yeah, that added to the mystique and mystery of that whole situation. And I remember after I got a call, uh, the dad was about to sue. The dad was very upset with the Texas Tech site at the time. Because Mike Leach was telling everybody some stuff. I know Mike Leach cussed out Greg, didn't he? I think I, it might have been. I, I don't. I don't remember that. But it he was extremely it upset. Yeah. yeah, he was extreme. I don't remember if he talked to the dad yeah. or the ma, or the uh, son, but I remember he was extremely upset. He knew he was pretty good. I think. So and to make uh, matters worse, Texas Tech followed that up by losing to Alabama in the uh, almost shut in out. the Cotton Bowl. That yeah. was a wild. That's a good. That's a good one. That's a wild story. So many different. I had a fox here in Birmingham in my living room on my back porch actually when he committed. Like, what's your reaction? I was like, Travis, hey, what we got? Let's talk with MB Bama here. He wants us to rank the most difficult games left on the schedule for Alabama. Uh, you've got, of course, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and Auburn. We'll go. We'll go more with Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and Auburn. How would you rank those four, Tim? I think Auburn's the toughest, right? Wow, because it's on the I road. Just, yeah, I just think it's at Auburn. You know, I think there's a there's a certain uh, trepidation that goes, yeah, that goes. We with talked about Halloween. There. That's been a house of horrors. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the best team Alabama's going to play, but I think that's going to be the toughest environment. Um, Alabama coming in last game of the year. Uh, Hugh Freeze will have them hyped. I mean, obviously, the best team offensively they'll face will be uh, LSU. I think that's an easy call. Their offense is doing really well. Their defense is struggling pretty bad, bad, but their offense is really good. Um, and I think probably facing Kentucky on the road that'll be probably the toughest defense. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go LSU, Tennessee, Auburn slash Kentucky. I'm gonna throw in an or like a Nick Saban depth chart there. Um, I just wonder about what will be left of Auburn's team by the time the end of the season the regular season gets here because that roster is not elite. And if Auburn is able to stay healthy between now 
and November 25th. Okay. I, I, I think it's going to be the roughest environment. Anytime you game. go to Jordan Hare, it's not fun. Just ask They're, 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 they're going to wait the whole year for this as they oh, should. No Alabama's going to roll in. Yeah. Um, it, you can right. set your Alabama. clock by Auburn in years in which it's going to host Alabama. They love to make that coaching change. Get that first-year coach yeah. an opportunity at home in that like, series. It, does, it absolutely does seem that way. Tennessee, we that way. definitely should talk about after last year's game. LSU mm-hmm. and Tennessee, that's pretty big. Um, <clears throat> almost revenge games, right? Two yeah. very, very bitter losses. I think LSU is the one team on the schedule left that could put Alabama in an uncomfortable situation offensively where it has to get into more of a track meet to win the game. Now, yeah, Alabama might end up scoring 50 against that LSU defense. I mean, it's yeah, they're secondary. You know, good. it's just surprising. I mean, it's like, you know, I was making kidding about it at first, but the more the season went on, I started digging. I was like, you just, you know, the one thing you can guarantee about an LSU deep secondary was they had a first, second round pick there, right? Mm-hmm. They've always have guys. They always have Louisiana produces a lot of great athletes. Defensive backs, um, they just don't have those guys this year. I mean, Denver Harris is there, but uh, he was a highly recruited guy. I don't think he's uh, he's uh, locked down a corner or anything yet, but definitely a different animal on defense. Bama Ducks, we're going to tie one of yours in with Colbone 2000 here to wrap up the mailbag, uh, which is what is the take on the offensive play calling to date? Also, what do you feel is the issue with the lack of quick throws and are – Oh, I think the the play calling, if there's a surprise to me, it continues to be, Tim, that there hasn't been more diversity uh, in the run game. You know, it, it's been largely a lot of inside runs, running back centric runs, not as much of Jalen Milrow in the designed run game. And I thought against A&M, especially after last year's game against the Aggies, that we would see more perimeter runs. And I know that Jameer Gibbs, that was kind of his thing, and he's no longer around. But Jace can do that. Um, And and we didn't see them really do that against A&M last week. As far as quick throws and RPO, we saw more of a quick passing game in the second half in College Station. It it wasn't RPO-based. And you're right, we really haven't seen much of that, which makes me wonder if there's a comfortability issue for Jalen uh, in that game, in that part of the game, uh, as far as making throws off RPO, it seems like we've seen him do it in the past, but, um, with Tommy Reese, it it just hasn't been a big part of things, Tim. Yeah. Maybe just live, you know, limit your risk versus your reward. You know, um, you get those corners jumping on those short patterns. Let's be honest. I mean, anyone that watched the film in Texas, those corners are thinking jump, 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 anything short. That's also why those guys are wide open deep. You know, you give them a little hitch. I mean, they are thinking, hey, mom, you know, film this one. And uh, next thing you know, you got one of those jets flying by them uh, for a touchdown. So um, I think you're right with being, you know, just being familiar with that throw. And he's maybe just more comfortable with a lot of, you know, several other throws. So just kind of take that one out of the playbook for for the most part. Yeah, RPO, you're putting more on the quarterback too. Pre-snap, after yeah, the snap, good. making reads. And if you've watched the sort of operation – from the booth to the sideline to Jalen, it's been very controlled. You know, yeah. you, you, Tommy Reese is is in charge yeah. of that thing from the play call to the check to, you know, just about everything. So that there isn't that sort confidence. of freedom yet either. Uh, sure. You know, I know just a like, lot of people got hung up on the fact that it's his third year in the program, which it is, 
but it doesn't matter. He's still starting for the first time. Yeah. He's yeah. getting the first team reps. The game plan's being adjusted to him. So he's basically, you know, he's still a rookie for the most part. Yep. And it's a new, again, you know, I just think we underestimated. I think maybe the media didn't stress enough for the fans to know if you got a first year offensive coordinator, you got a first year starting quarterback. Tommy Reese, I'm not familiar with anybody he's ever coached, which was like that was similar to Jalen Milrow. So there's mm-hmm. a different mindset of getting familiar with each other and, you know, making it work. And I think they're doing a lot better job. Yeah, we're going to try to do a better job as we continue to do these, Tim Watts and myself. And we are very familiar with each other because, well, we've worked together for over 20 years now. At well, Bama online. Our marriages. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of that deal with us, you know. And this is – yeah, still a first. Well, okay. If you still a first for us, though, when it comes to a video edition of T Watts and TR and Tim, as always, been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I love it. I'm glad we're picking these up and doing it. It's good seeing the roundtable so active. You know, absolutely Alabama fans are as passionate as anybody. I know they can be uh, too passionate at times, but that's better than being. Uh, having no interest, you know, in your program. I'll always take that. I'll always take that. So we appreciate all you guys. Absolutely. Appreciate all of our members and our followers there at BamaOnline.com helping us out on the roundtable mailbag and also checking in right here on our new YouTube channel. We know more than a thousand of you to date have chosen to do that. We appreciate you and we hope you'll tell a friend, tell someone else about it. Let's keep this thing growing on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you again. Until next time, so long, everybody. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 